might say hey to the second episode of the Quadecast. Today is March 29th, 2020. Um, I couldn't do this episode without my patrons on Patreon. That is Jace, Catherine, and Sophie. Thank you guys so much. You guys are giving me money to make the podcast better and to get more guests. But we're currently in a worldwide pandemic, and that's why I don't have a guest today. We're going to take a little bit of a different route with things. Um, Thankfully, I had an essay I wrote earlier this week that I'm going to talk about today just because I think it's got a lot of thoughts that I would like to share and that I would like to talk about and that can fill up an hour so. I'm super-duper excited about that. I'd also like to go ahead and thank Ezra Hebert, Isaac Araby, and Jared Bates. That was the other one. Uh, for helping me get this podcast initially started up. It has been a long time since the first episode, and I really regret that because I just, like, I haven't gotten around to it. Things have changed. A worldwide pandemic came up. I'm quarantined inside my house. You, you know, all the usual stuff. So, um, yeah, that's what's up today. Today in history, actually, eight years ago, Newsies opened on Broadway on March 29th, 2012. Uh, that That's a big deal to me. And then also, nine years ago today, in 2000, 2011, Phil Swift released his first commercial uh, for Flex Seal, and he sawed a boat in half. Yeah, you know what it did. It did a lot of damage. So, yeah. Um, let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about an essay that I wrote earlier this week that compiles a lot of my thoughts on a topic that I don't think many people do like to talk about because it is kind of heavy. Failure. I'm bringing this up because uh, failure is a word I think that is often used a lot like the word awesome and epic and good and bad, that kind of thing. They're just like, they have a set meaning, but because they're used so often, the meaning kind of gets watered down, and the meaning kind of gets changed out over a certain amount of time. And I think it's the same with the word failure, because so many people see things that they're doing as failure. And so I wrote a three-page worth essay on it that I'm going to talk about today. And then if I have any time, I'm gonna just going to talk about quarantine stuff, because, you know, we're all stuck here in our houses, um, which is another reason that I wanted to get the episode started today, because um, everybody is stuck in their houses doing nothing a lot of the time, and I want to be able to give them something to listen to that is possibly worthwhile. I don't know what people deem as worthwhile and what they don't, but I would like to consider this worthwhile, and I would like to give people something to listen to and to fill up their time with if, if you know, like, if they're just sitting and listening to it. So um, that's what this episode is purposed for today just you know to give people something to listen to and also to to just get the ball rolling again I had the first episode started and then like it was a really long time before I got this second episode out so you know I I just want to I want to keep a consistency going and five weeks is not good so I need to start back up again I want to try and do every other week and that's a consistency I want to keep with things and so today what is failure. To me, failure is often recognized as a functional outcome, a product in an effect per se. I think a lot of people just see it as like the end point of anything that they're doing. And so like if, if you know, like if you lost a race, you're like, oh my gosh, I failed. Or if you failed a test, ironically, you, you would say, I failed. Um, I don't think it's the same way, and we're going to talk about that. You know, just verbalizing the word can, like, trigger dismay within a person. It makes them think, you know, like, 
Wow, that's kind of sad. You know, it it's a sad word. It's a negative word. It's like no or not. You know, it's just it's got characteristics that make it negative. Um, I th- I think for like every test failed, for every race lost, for any instance where an individual emerges with the short end of the stick, you know, we we see failure. But in my mind, however, failure is not what is lost, not not the result, but rather the reason for it. You know, I've, in my 16 years of experience, deduced that failure is an instigator, per se, creating chaos long before any recognized shortcoming, and, you know, has learned how to operate within us. That That's what it is to me. He's a devil on our shoulder, you know, who doesn't just allow us to, like, go off of the tracks but you know tells us how to live our lives and failure failure is a poison it really is like you take it and it starts to grow that i mean it's not just like a single isolated instance that's loss that's that's losing you know whereas like failure failure is something much bigger something with much more gravity than just loss so yeah i think a lot of people allow failure to kind of like sit on the back burners sometimes not in the way that it's like it doesn't have much an effect much of an effect but in a way that sometimes it's unrecognizable you know and that that's really that's the scary thing about failure because you don't know whether you're failing or not until it's too late i wrote in a part of it that failure is an expert at many professions. He has been around the globe and challenged some of the greatest minds the world has ever known, seducing them to his ways. He's personally advised me that perseverance is never as potent as thanklessness, and to all his apprentices he make, makes known that impulse is the true path of our existence. Failure has imparted me to erroneous confidence that I know everything and often reminds me that no one else does. I think failure isn't just a negative. I think it has characteristics to it. I believe that failure is what is causing us to be egotistical. I believe that failure is what is causing us to put ourselves on a pedestal. I believe that failure is an ego in general. And I I know I personally suffer from ego. (laughs) And failure has a grip on me in some parts of my life. Um, just as a teacher shuts the door to a classroom to keep out distractions, you know, failure shuts the door to patience, logic, and slow temper to keep from my mind what makes me strong. You know, failure doesn't just have, um, the ability to cut off things that are good, but it also has the ability to combat those things and to kill them itself. It, it doesn't just like stop it. It, it beats it to death, (laughs) you know? Um, failure has helped me master obliviousness and has instructed me in the ways of pursuing only what captures my eye. You know, he constantly inspires me to act in the ways of irrationality. He lives by the motto, do what you want now because tomorrow may never come. You know, uh, failure is impulse. Failure is catching your eye, like following something that catches your eye. You know, it's... It's a very impulsive characteristic. It's a very egotistical characteristic. And I think failure likes to dream a lot. It likes to look to the future. And even though looking to the future is good, you can put yourself in a position where you're daydreaming instead of 
having a vision, you know, I, there's a difference between a dream and a vision. A dream is just a thought, whereas a vision is something you plan to carry out. Um, failure is always misconceived as an end result as loss. That's not true. Failure is not the moment you lose, but rather the mindset in which your decisions were inspired. It happens long before you ever lose anything. So many good things can be done in the mindset of failure. You know, when when something is done for the wrong purpose, when something good is done for the wrong purpose or in the wrong mind, the ultimate result is going to be bad regardless because you had failure festering inside of you. Ironically, failure doesn't necessarily imply that the outcome is always negative either. You know, um, it's possible that failure results in what is often seen as gain, be it money, fame, or influence. The real problem is not the gain on the surface, but rather what is eroded beneath. It's common for people to trade... Oh, actually, before before I read this line... um, <laughs> I wrote this line down, and then I thought, oh my gosh, give me a pipe and a blazer because I'm C.S. Lewis. I feel so smart for writing this line. I wrote, it is common for people to trade the furnishings of their soul for adornments of the body. And that's true in cases even when, quote unquote, my version of failure isn't involved. You know, so many people find a thing that catches their eye and they're willing to, I don't want to say exploit themselves, that sounds kind of corny, but they're willing to sacrifice something much greater you know mentally or spiritually in exchange for something that is purely physical and something that is going to fall away eventually the human race thirsts for instant gratification and pleasure that's a fact and failure is a perfect companion for our hunt like failure is going to be perfect if we want to go and you know chase down things. The parable of the prodigal son, for example, is a perfect way to describe someone who allows failure to counsel and influence their life. From the very beginning of his story, the son places his motivation in something that wouldn't last. He exploits his father to obtain physical treasure the prodigal son allows his mind to be shrouded by failure and proceeds to chase only what chase or proceeds to chase only what gives him satisfaction the son moves forward with his new treasures and begins spending recklessly failure worms his way into this part of the prodigal son's life in the form of dissatisfaction failure is dissatis- dissatisfied the son constantly wastes his money looking for the quote unquote more that he will never find. To conclude his epic epic fall, the prodigal son finds himself, guess where, eating with pigs. Failure threw him so far down, he's eating with pigs. Failure was never an action in his life. It was something deep and deeply present that he allowed to overcome him. It's... It's weird to talk about in in any way except maybe 
using an analogy uh, like like a plant you know it's a seed that's planted and you water it with satisfaction and you water it with an ego and it just grows and grows and grows until it's become a part of your life you know failure is a part of your identity failure when looked at from the right perspective is worse than any bodily sickness or wound that is possible to acquire because it's it's your fault and it's hard to cure very very hard to cure um he's ready to strike at every opportunity failure festers builds and is seemingly impossible to eradicate but there there is a cure um i believe that failure can be fought and it can be combated by us denying our material wants and arming ourselves with things like patience, logic, and slow tempers. You know, I'm sure failure hates it when you think things through and you don't just like jump to conclusions on a whim and get mad on a whim. I believe that failure hates it when you humble yourself, which I need to do. I'm, yeah, I'm <laughs> egotistical. Um, Failure can be deeply rooted, and we need to be prepared to dig to the recesses to kill him at his basest. We must be prepared to fight even the greatest of beasts of failure, or it will only reemerge stronger. I refuse to let failure rule and guide my life. I'll equip myself to take whatever means necessary to defeat him. And we have reached... 14 minutes now. Well, 14 minutes now. <sighs> okay, that's that's 14 minutes. How many How many minutes? Okay. I still need to do four times as much recording. Dang. Okay. See, it's really, really weird because um, I'm doing this podcast by myself, and so it's like half of the conversation is gone, so it's like maybe I'm only thinking of 30 minutes worth of material, but I have to put it into an hour. I'm kind of nervous for it, actually, because it's not only warm in this room because I turned the fans off so you don't hear background noise, but also because I'm sitting in this com- sitting in front of this computer for a whole hour just talking to myself. I feel like I'm going crazy. I probably am because it, you know, it's the, it's the quarantine and all. Personally, I think that the quarantine and what I've experienced from this virus has been a blessing to me. Because I am a busy person. I'm so, so busy. Like, every single day I have something to do, and it's like from 10 to 9 at night, like from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. at night, you know, I'm booked. Like, I don't have any time to think. My 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 brain is already, you know, worn out. He's done all the exercise that he can do by the end of the night, and I don't ever have time to think about things that, you know, maybe I should be thinking about. If you go check out my Instagram, um, I've been getting into photography, and I've never gotten into photography. Like I've thought, like, oh, cool, it would it would be really cool to get into photography, but I never I never had. And so this this quarantine, as bad as bad as the reason is, I feel like I needed this time off from the rest of my life. Because I'm I'm thinking about things that like I hadn't thought about in a long time. Like I wrote this failure essay because I was bored. You know, be, like I had to write something 
about what I was thinking because like I was just sitting there doing nothing. And my brain finally started working again, and it was like, like, why don't you write down what you're thinking? You know, you could share this with people. And it's really crazy because it's like there's so many things that I didn't think I was capable of doing, but once I had time to sit down and try to do them and take my time to do them, I can do it. You know, I, I've learned to go outside and sit and be quiet and listen to the wind. That's really weird, you know? I, I've never been able to... It sounds so cliche, but I did it. And, you know, that's what this quarantine's doing for me. Me and my family are playing card games. We're eating food. We've bought, like, more crawfish than I can... I can fathom. I've had enough crawfish. Um, I'm trying not to go crazy. Nash is home. My my brother, Nash. Um, me and me and my two other brothers we're sleeping in a room together. You know, it it feels like a little house on the prairie because they don't ever go into town in the books that I did read or what I remember of it. They were just like kind of chilling as a family on a prairie. And that's what this feels like because, like, all I see is my family. And tensions can arise when you're around your family, for sure. It's really, really hard to maintain your sanity when all you see is your family every single day. But I've learned to deal with that. You know, I've learned to love them like they're, they're friends, they're people I can talk to, they're people I can have, you know, well-thought well arguments with. And I, I, I'm really appreciative of that. I also got into reading about Kurt Cobain and I started reading his journal actually it's it's journals on Amazon and I'll tell you what that's that's a weird book right there I mean not weird in the sense that like what he was writing was weird I mean it kind of is weird but just the idea that you know like I'm reading the journal of somebody who died in 1997 that's weird and I suggest the book to anybody who isn't going to have serious amounts of guilt reading it because that's what I have. You know, it was like, that, that's his personal stuff right there. And even though it says at the beginning of the journal, you know, it's like I want, he wanted people to read his journal after he died. It still feels strange because these are somebody's thoughts. These were, these were like a living person's thoughts that he, they really believed in. And, you know, he he was highly opinionated on people who were entitled. He was highly opinionated on the arts. He believed that everybody needed artistic freedom. He believed artistic freedom was necessary for human survival. But I think the I think the strangest thing is I didn't I never thought he could be so smart. You know, like it's grunge rock. It has a reputation of being rebellious. It was the sound of rebellious, angsty teenagers who, you know, just wanted to do things different. But then, like, when I read through it, he everything he says is so well thought out and so well elaborated. He knew what he was talking about when, you know, when he talked about it. I think one of my favorite takeaways from the book, though, was... um. It wasn't, like, something I'd take as advice because, you know, I'm I'm a person of knowledge. But he says, like, he didn't like to read often because information would build his ego and it would change the way that he wrote his music and everything. 
but he said, you know, like when he did read, he really, really, really read. Like he he knew how to analyze things, but he didn't do it often because he knew that information meant ego for him. And that's that's really cool that somebody could recognize that. And I just, you never find that out about some artists. You know, they make music, they have their story, but it's never as detailed or it's never as deep as something like that, you know? Or you never hear about it being that deep. Also, during the quarantine, I've had uh, I've had a ton of time to watch new movies, obviously. But I've also listened to a lot of new music. Or not new music, but I've listened to a lot of music that I had not heard before. Um, Loretta Lynn is the first woman that comes to mind. Uh, I started listening to her music because I just like kind of wanted to go on a journey listening to the most innovative albums of all time and Loretta Lynn's was one of them. Let me see which album it was. I have a screenshot of it. Let me find it. Um Here we go. Uh Don't Come Home a Drinkin' Well with Lovin' on Your Mind by Loretta Lynn. Uh she's actually the only woman to have ever been named artist of the decade. And I can see why. She's she is an amazing writer. I love most of her music. I've always been a fan fan of James Brown, but this is like this quarantine has been the first time that I've ever listened to like one of his albums all the way through. I've done that. Um, what else have I listened to? The Grateful Dead. I've listened to Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. His his stuff is all good too. I love I love that stuff. Um I wanna do an album review while I'm while we're in this quarantine. That would be cool. Oh, I have to think about that. That's really cool. But also recently, during the quarantine, I watched Schindler's List. I have a lot of words about that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that while I while I look it up and find things to talk about. Schindler's List. Boop. Here we go. Yeah, Schindler's List. Um, I have an opinion about that movie, and it's it's not rock solid, but you know, like I have a strong belief on it. There's there's a lot of nudity, there's a lot of violence, but there's a reason it is on AFI's top 100 movies list for greatest cinematography ever. That's because their cinematography is amazing. I'm not going to spoil too much because I suggest anybody listening should go and watch it with somebody because it's another one of those movies I think, you know, like you want to have somebody with you to watch it because You'll have a lot of questions, you'll have a lot of comments, you'll have a lot of thoughts that you want to express, you don't want to just hold inside of you. All I'm going to say is it's like about a German businessman who uh, goes to find business in Germany during World War II and he hires Jews as his workers and he realizes, you know, he's saving Jews by hiring them on. And a lot of stuff happens in there, a lot of a lot of sad things happen. Um, I don't know if the Holocaust takes place during the movie. I, I'm going to look that up. But um, there's a lot of stuff about the concentration camps that they were in. And there's a lot of, you know, like belittling things about the German, or not Germans, Jews in there that are isn't included or isn't shown physically inside of a lot of movies just because it is so touchy. It is so sticky you know you don't want to show that kind of stuff inside of a movie but Steven Spielberg the director he is um 
he wasn't afraid to do that. And that's what he did with this movie. And there's a lot of nudity in it just because of what happened inside of uh, the concentration camps. And I'm not normally a fan of that stuff. And I'm still not a fan of that stuff. But this movie is well justified for doing it. Because I don't think anyone watching it would feel anything except sadness towards the people on screen. It is a... That movie really, really knows how to uh, touch your emotions and pull at your heartstrings. Because I felt so sad watching the movie. It really, really did pull me in. And the cinematography is wonderful. The acting is wonderful. If you've seen anything with Liam Neeson... (coughs) Star Wars... uh, you you know that Liam Neeson, he's a great actor. Um, Taken is one of those ones that is just an awesome example of Liam Neeson's performance. And I think Schindler's List is the best out of everything that I've seen, except Star Wars. Star Wars is, Star Wars is above everything. <laughs> but um, if you haven't noticed, I'm running out of things to talk about. I'm surprised I've actually made it to the 25-minute mark, and I'm still going wild um if you guys you guys are probably looking for things to do during this um quarantine board games are fun um staying on your computer all day watching tv all day is fun but i went to go i went to go to a wedding um like right before the quarantine happened and like i thought to myself yo how cool would it be to become a wedding efficient and i looked it up earlier this week how to become a wedding efficient you can do it in five steps according to godaddy.com yeah godaddy.com depending on your state it doesn't take years of study or judgeship to marry couples just a few simple steps and you're legal that's right folks godaddy says in five steps you can become a wedding efficient what you got to do is call your town hall or county clerk Apply to be ordained, plan the ceremony, practice, and then consider doing it again. (laughs) You got to consider doing it again, guys. So, step one, calling your town hall or county clerk. Personally, I'm kind of interested. Officiating a wedding sounds like epic, to be honest. The legal responsibilities of the officiant depend on on the state where you live. You can find out what, what they are looking at find out what they are by looking at your state secretary state secretary of state website find the office that distributes marriage marriage licenses and ask them if you qualify to become an efficient in su- in some states you have to be a religious efficient but others you can be ordained by a non-denominational organization i don't think in louisiana you, ha- you have to be i don't think you have to be religious in louisiana to become an efficient if you walked into a store recently, you might notice that they're out of toilet paper. If you've gone in for toilet paper, that's because of the coronavirus. If maybe you haven't heard of that, it's just a worldwide pandemic. No big deal. But um, yeah, people seem to be preparing for doomsday because of this virus. And I, it really got me thinking because somebody said into the world zombie apocalypse kind of thing. I know like a lot of us nerds are waiting for the doctors to say, you know, like coronavirus, uh, people affected by it, like have zombie-like symptoms. I'm super excited for that to happen. Ready for the zombie apocalypse. 
when it comes. But it really did get me thinking about like things that I would bring along. I'm definitely going to put this question on my Instagram and on Facebook and wherever else I am by the end of this week. And ask you guys what you would prepare with for the apocalypse. Personally, I think it would be best to live out of a car, which means that I would need gasoline. I also think that I would need weapons. I would need clothes. Not a ton of clothes, but... Yeah, I would also need to find like a like a special like hideout area personally. Yeah, a hideout area because I want to be able to like have a like a home base and then be able to use a car to go places and slowly like spread out home bases. I've heard some people say I don't know, I don't I've heard it was from a show, but I've heard some people say that they want to um they want to like string boats together and go out into the ocean. That that's a pretty good idea too. I've thought about that, but I think I like the idea of staying on land because I don't know how to operate, I don't know anything about operating a boat. What I would suggest, though, because who knows how long before the virus gets in our water, um, is, like, filtered straws. I saw that on an episode of Rent and Link, like, years ago, and I've never forgotten about filtered straws. Like, I have a filtered cup, and, like, you pour water in the top, and then it, like, filters to the bottom, and then you can drink the stuff in the bottom because that's the filtered water. But, like, there's those. But then you, like, drink through the straw. And that has, like, boggled my mind for, like, four years now. It's so cool. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna buy one just for this. And so, like, I'll be like, yo, I have a filtered straw. I'll get, it'll be so much clout. (laughs) I love filtered straws. I'm Anybody who has one, I respect you. I think I would also buy a dog. Not just because I want a friend with me, but also because like I think dogs are useful animals that you could be able to train to uh, help you in your apocalyptic journey. Um, I think for the next episode of the podcast, I'm about to end because it's at the 30-minute mark. And if you haven't noticed, I'm really running out of things to talk about. I'm creating this on the fly. And so, yeah, but... um. A dog would be nice, and I'll talk. I'll talk more about quarantine stuff. I just needed to get the ball rolling again, so I'm gonna go ahead and say that's the end of this episode. I just hit the 30 minute and 15 second mark. Thank you all for listening in today. Um, I really appreciate all of you. This might have been a, a rather boring episode. I just needed to get stuff out again because it has been a long time. And I am going to try and do stuff more consistently consistently over the quarantine, like I said at the beginning of the episode. Thanks again to my patrons. Thanks again to everybody who is following me on Instagram. You can find me on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash thequadecast. If you support me, I'm able to get more stuff out. I'm able to get better guests when, when I'm able to get guests again. I'm also planning on uh, starting a YouTube channel and doing this all on video eventually. So anything that you are able to contribute tribute is going to help me a lot check out my instagram um i'll link all my patron or yeah all my patrons instagrams in the bio and yeah i think that's about it um hope everybody is having a great quarantine you guys stay home stay safe and stay washing your hands that's all that's all very very important and i really appreciate you all thank you so much uh i'll see you guys later bye